if you're new though to One Heart, you might have not been to a church like this before. And our desire is not just for you to come in and join us with some Christian karaoke. We want more for your life than just that. We want more for you than just coming into a Sunday service and ticking a box. Oh, cool, I'm a little bit religious. No, we want you to have an encounter with the same Jesus that changed my life. We want you to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit that completely sets you apart, that helps you become everything that you're created to, that there's a purpose and a destiny for you to fulfill. And we believe that God wants to do that in your life. And as we begin, there's going to be a slide coming up uh, with, if you've got a Bible, who's got a Bible? Shake your Bible if you've got one in this place. I see some devices. Anyone got a real physical Bible? We've got some real Christians in here. One real Christian. We've got two. I see two real Christians. All right. But if, you, if you've got a phone, you can use that QR code and you can download the One Heart app and you can follow along with some notes pre-loaded into that if you feel technologically inclined. Enjoy. So, uh, yeah, the pastor said you can use your phone in church. Um, so there's two kinds of people in society. There's two kinds of people, right? There's those that sleep with the fan on and those who sleep with the fan off. Do I have a witness in this place? There's two kinds of people. I remember the first time having a sleepover with my cousin, and he was a fan non-sleeper. And it's like, this doesn't make sense. It's the middle of winter. I'm freezing cold, and you've got the fan blowing. But it, and there's many different ways we can uh, distinguish sleepers in society, right? Uh, there's those who use ASMR and those who don't. There's those who hear thunder, and then those who wake up in the morning, oh, it must have rained last night. There's those who go to bed early, and there's those who go to bed late. There's those who set an alarm, and there's those who are the alarm. Sorry, were you trying to sleep in? I'm tenderizing meat at 5 a.m. in the morning. Thanks to my grandfather. There's those who um, set the alarm and sleep through it, and the victims at the youth camp in the dorm who don't. Thanks, Toyin. There's those who uh, get sleep, and there's those who drink coffee. Who, who knows what I'm talking about? When it comes to sleeping, there's many different ways of, of distinguishing people by their sleeping patterns, if they sleep, if they don't sleep, if they're nocturnal. But Jesus has some interesting sleeping patterns. And so we can distinguish each other with some of those comments that I've made before. But Jesus distinguishes himself from his disciples by the way he sleeps. So that's why I've titled today, Bedtime Stormy. And we're going to see... Uh, Jesus' sleeping pattern in the book of Mark, chapter 4. And before we read from verse 35, I'll just give us some context. So Jesus is at the, the lake called the Sea of Galilee. It's a bit of a confusing why would you call a lake the Sea of Galilee when it's a lake? Don't know. Why isn't it the Lake of Galilee? I don't know. The Sea of Galilee. But Jesus is at this lake and the crowds are coming around to hear him talk. And so he's bringing the crowds in again and he's sharing. And what he does is he goes, well, the crowds are pushing me into the water. I might as well jump into a boat and use it as a bit of a platform to preach from. So Jesus finds himself in a boat and he's preaching. And as Jesus normally does, he doesn't just preach, but he uses stories, which we call parables. And so one of the stories in this, at this moment that Jesus talks about is the seed and the soil. And what uh, the breakdown of that parable is, is that 
uh, Jesus is saying that the seed represents the message of, of his life, the gospel, and the soil represents our life. Is our life conducive to seeing that seed flourish into everything it has been? Or is the soil of our life in a dodgy environment in which the gospel will be quenched and not produce the fruit it's meant to produce? Another parable in this, in this moment where Jesus is talking about is the thing called light. Now everyone knows if it's dark in your house, you turn the light on. You don't then cover up the light to be in darkness again. You want the light to be seen by all. And so Jesus is saying that his message, once you've seen the, the light of the gospel, we want that to be shone out for everyone to see and not hide it. So Jesus is telling these stories to the crowd. And then after that, this is where we find ourselves at Mark chapter 4, verse 35. And so we're going to read that together. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Uh, Cue scary music. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. If you're going to sleep, do it comfy. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we are going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly, the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Who is this man? Even storms obey him. Who is this man? Even storms obey him. I love that this thought that we get. And before uh, we unpack it, I want us to do a, a detour to the book of Luke chapter 10. And we, we, we're introduced to two sisters, Mary and Martha. And when we understand, I guess, the principle of these two sisters, Mary and Martha, it gives us a, a greater uh, understanding of the mindset of the disciples when they're in the boat with Jesus sleeping. And so uh, on the back table there, there's a sign that says refresh. So our women have a retreat coming up, uh, spring retreat. Women sign up. There you go, Pastor Pauline. Do it now. It's going to be a great time. Um, but last year at the spring retreat, we had a guest speaker called Pastor Layla. And it, I said in the 9 a.m., it sort of challenged me a little bit when she came because Pastor Rob often does it. He'll, he'll start preaching something from the Bible and I'll be like, I've read that 10 times and I've never, ever seen that before. Why couldn't I get that revelation? And I love that about church. You come to church and you can hear scripture and the people will break it down. You're like, as if I never noticed that before. How did I not see that? And Pastor Layla's talking, was preaching about Mary and Martha and she showed me something that I'd never seen before. And I'm like, oh, I wish I could have found that in my devotion. But it's so interesting with these two, these two uh, ladies, if you've been in church before, you probably have the, uh, the mindset that Mary is a workaholic. Sorry, I said that wrong. Martha is a workaholic and Mary is a restful queen. She knows what it is just to chill out and enjoy life. And in that, this story in Luke chapter 10, though, what's interesting is it's not simply that Mary is this relaxing queen and Martha is this hectic servant. It, the, the, the thing that Layla drew out to me was that Martha's position was telling Jesus what to do, 
when Mary's position was hearing what Jesus was saying. And it's very interesting there that, because you, you read it and it says that, um, verses 40, Martha says to Jesus, you tell Mary to come help me out. You tell her to do this. And often we can come to Jesus with that same attitude. Jesus, you tell that person to do that. It's like, why doesn't the church do something about this? Well, you're the church. Uh, that, that's, another, that's another point for another time. But we can get in this position like a Martha going, Jesus, you should do this. Jesus, they should do this. Jesus, why don't you do this now? Do it this way. And we can come up to this posture of wanting to tell Jesus what to do. But at the end of that, of that, that part with Mary and Martha, it, Jesus says this, There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Mary discovered the fact that it's not just sitting at Jesus' feet, but it's a different posture going, I'm not going to tell Jesus what to do. I'm going to let Jesus tell me what to do. Too often we want to get Jesus to fulfill our script, but our job is to fit into Jesus' script. And that's the purpose. And when we get our head around that, it changes the way we see how the disciples felt in the boat on the storm. So the human condition, I would say the default position is the Mary default position where we go, Jesus, you do this. Jesus, you do this now. I've asked you, Jesus, why aren't you doing it? But and that's how the disciples were. And the, their, their declaration is, don't you care? Like, this is unfair. This isn't just. And you can have example after example in your life where you would come to Jesus and say, Jesus, you better do this for me. Jesus, come on, get that person to do that. But that is not the posture that we need to have. We need to get in a posture that we says, no, we're not going to make Jesus fulfill our script. We're going to find what his script is, like a Mary, and hear, what are you wanting to say to me? And so the disciples are freaking out. Has anyone been in a boat before? What's the boat do? Floats on water. Correct. Great. What is a a boat not designed to do? Hold water. It's not designed to collect water. And so this boat is becoming a bucket, and that is in big trouble. When you're going fishing, you want to float on the water. You don't want to be catching the water. And so justifiably, these disciples are freaking out going, this ain't ideal. The water's coming in. Jesus, why aren't you worried? Jesus, why don't you fit our script? This should freak you out. But Jesus isn't worried. Jesus isn't freaked out because the, the fear or the storm didn't get on Jesus. Jesus' peace got on the storm. And I love that for us today. We've got to remember that storms don't change Jesus. Jesus changes the storm. And that's why he slept differently. Because the disciples are thinking, you should be worried. You should be freaked out. You should be concerned. But Jesus has a different script that goes, no, no, no. I don't change the, the circumstances don't change me. I change the circumstance. The disciples let the storms change them. And I, I love the fact that, and I think we can often read that scripture and go, well, we've got to be like Jesus. We're going to change the storms around us. No, 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 no. Jesus is Jesus. We're the disciples that freak out, but we've got to realize the storms don't change our Jesus. Our Jesus changes our storms. And so you might have issues with your marriage. Jesus, that, that, your marriage issues don't change Jesus. Jesus can change your marriage. I believe that. You could have issues with a child. God, uh, the child's issues won't change Jesus. Jesus can help us with that child. You name the issue that you're dealing with. I believe that that situation won't change Jesus, but our Jesus can change that situation. Yeah, the issues in our life don't change Jesus. Jesus can change our issues. 
in Jesus' name. Who is this man? Defilement can't touch him. Who is this man? Defilement can't touch him. Then we, we see the next part of, of the story here is that on that other side, Jesus was on divine, divine mission to see a man filled with demons being released. And I still believe in 2023, there's people with demons that need to be released. And that same Jesus that came on a mission to set those people free is on mission in our lives that we'll see people set free from the bondage and the things gripping them. So Jesus, on that mission, sets this man free and then it says that, he says to his disciples, hey, let's now go back to where we came from. So they cross the, the lake again and they find themselves uh, on, on mission again and Jesus encounters a man named Jairus. And in this part in Mark chapter 5, it's, it's a, there's, so there's two extremes that we see. So there's a man called Jairus, a religious leader. He, he's got clout. He's got street cred. He has everything going for him. He, he, and then on the opposite spectrum, you have this woman who is below the low. She uh, is isolated from community. She has no right to be in community because of the Jewish religious law. So you've got this one guy who is where it's at. Everyone wants to know you. Another person has to be avoided, has to be uh, stayed away. So we find this, this, this man and this woman in this situation, and they're polar opposites. And it's no surprise that God was in this moment, that Jesus himself walked in this moment to show us the truth with these opposites. And then you go to the book of Leviticus, and it describes the, the rituals of ceremony, being ceremonially clean and unclean, or being holy and righteous and pure and unrighteous. And so it goes from a journey of this food, if you eat it, you will be unclean. This food, if you eat it, you will remain clean. What's being clean or what's being ceremonially clean? It's being, are you able to righteously and justifiably stand before God? Because God is holy and pure and righteous. And so can we stand before him or, uh, or is our life making a separation and a distinction and a defilement that says, no, you can't be within this holy God's presence. So it, Leviticus breaks it down. Like you eat this food, unclean. You touch something dead, unclean. You go through a period, you're unclean. It has all these crazy laws and regulations of what makes you clean and what makes you unclean. And so the journey from being unclean to clean uh, is a, a process, I'll get the word because I forget it, consecration. Consecration is, a, is the process of going, I was unclean and if I go do this ceremonial washing like a baptism, then I wait 24 hours, I am now clean. And so it has all these, these, these rituals. And so when we understand all these principles, we find this woman who I'm going to call the tenacious woman. Why is she tenacious? Because uh, she never gave up. She never stops trying. She did whatever was required to try and become clean. She did not let her defilement stop her. She says, you know what, I'm going to try again. So she goes to the chemist. Didn't work. Goes to the GP. Didn't work. Goes to the specialist. Still didn't work. And so for 12 long years, she has been marginalized, separated from community because of her defilement of uncleanness, because of the, uh, the hemorrhaging blood, which is an awful situation that you can be in where no one wants to know you, no one wants to associate with you because of this tragic uh, condition. But then the, the crazy part is with her tenaciousness. And I love when I get, I like to, picture myself getting inside of her head where she thought because for me if I was suffering something for 12 years if I was isolated for 12 years I would my default would be like well that's it what's the point of trying I've tried all things 
Nothing's going to change. I've tried all things. There's what, what's the point of hope? But she dared to hope. She dared to dream. She dared to believe that something could be better in her life because she was a woman with tenacious faith. And so she hears the stories of Jesus. This man, a, a demon-possessed man has got changed. The storm has been calmed. If I can get a hold of that man, something can change in my life. And, and she let the thought pattern of her life be infused with faith. And the Bible has a lot to say about what we think about. 2 Corinthians 10.5, it talks about take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And so she uh, literally did that. She didn't, I'm not going to let uh, the doubt thought come in. She didn't let a thought going, oh, he's too busy. The crowd's too big. No, no, she took captive every thought and said, no, I'm going to make this obedient to Christ. I'm going to let hope uh, saturate my mind. I'm going to let belief saturate my thinking. Philippians 4.8, fix your thoughts on whatever is honourable, whatever is pure, whatever is holy. We've got to then fix our thoughts on the, those things. Jesus is all of those things for our lives. We've got to make sure that, and, and it's, I, I'll call it out, there's Christians that watch movies we should not be watching. There's Christians that listen to music that we should not be listening to. Because the Bible says, fix your thoughts. What are you thinking about? We've got to be protect, take captive our, our thinking and fill it with things that are holy and pure. Romans 12.2, it's talking about don't be conformed to the patterns of this world. Well, all my friends listen to that music. Awesome for them. All my friends watch those movies. Awesome for them. But we've got to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And we need to have, if we want to see a tenacious miracle, we've got to have a tenacious mind. Proverbs 23.7, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. The Bible, time and time again, is talking to us about the way that we think, the way that we process. And this woman understood that her thought pattern could change something in her life and she let her thoughts dictate her actions. So she dared to dream again. She dared to believe again. She dared to hope again. And I, I, I thought it'd be about a decade ago, but now I'm thinking about it, it's probably about two decades ago, how quickly life changes. But the fashion used to be, it's sort of coming back, really baggy pants. Who remembers that? When jeans used to be used to baggy, like my youth leaders, when I was growing up in youth, would have the super baggiest pants you've ever seen. And when they would be walking, they would start to scuff up the back of the jeans. Has anyone seen that? And it starts to fray. And, and so I can picture Jesus walking around with his fraying jeans because he's got the fashion of the early 2000s. And it starts to fray and tear. And this woman with tenacious faith doesn't just think, and she, if, if you haven't put the link together, she's a woman that we know is the, the woman with the issue of blood. But this tenacious woman, she, she sees Jesus walking with the, just this little bit of denim just fraying off the side, about to be cut off, right? And she doesn't think, if I can just touch Jesus, she goes, if I can just grab a hold of that, that flaky thread of that gene, if I can just touch that, I could be made clean. I could be healed. I could be restored back to community. And what happens? She grabs a hold of that little bit of gene of Jesus and her bang. She didn't touch Jesus. Jesus touched her. And that's the craziest thing. She touched Jesus, but she didn't actually touch Jesus. Jesus touched her. Because if she touched Jesus, he would have been made unclean. Because her defilement would have been transferred onto him. Her unholiness would have made him unholy. Her, 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 her brokenness would have made Jesus broken. But that's not what happened. Because Jesus said, in the, stops the crowd. Who touched me? 
And as, as the disciples go, what are you talking about, Jesus? Everyone is trying to touch you. Everyone is trying to get a hold of you. And he goes, no, no, I felt something leave me. I felt power go out from me. I felt something get, get off me. Why? Because they didn't just touch Jesus. Jesus touched her. Because who is this man? Defilement can't touch him. When we think we're reaching out to Jesus, he's actually reaching out to us. We think, and, and so our, our disease, our brokenness can't touch him, can't take him. His holiness changes us. And I'm still so grateful for that, that the sins that I perpetually do, that I don't just get a hold of Jesus, he gets a hold of me and goes, you know what, I can restore that. I can change that. No, you can't make, your, your sickness isn't so big that it changes me. My, my goodness is so big, it changes you. And I love that fact about my Jesus. That it, as it says in Romans 5.20, but where sin abounded, grace much more abounded. And so it does not matter how big a separation, how big a, uh, a, a gap that you think there is between you and the holiness of God, I love the fact that his love is always bigger. His grace is always bigger. It doesn't matter what mistakes that we do that we go, how could I ever change? I love the fact that where my sin is abounding, his love is much more abounding, that my defilement doesn't change him, but his holiness changes me. That, that where my sickness is great, his healing is greater. And I, I still believe that for our church, that we can live in that life where we don't touch Jesus, he touches us us last one who is this man the tomb can't hold him who is this man the tomb can't hold him the music team can come and join me death thought it conquered Jesus but Jesus was victorious over death you can put up that next uh, scripture for me please Jazzy Mark 16 says this Saturday evening when the Sabbath had ended these women Mary and Mary uh, purchased some burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? Interesting, that's almost like a bit of a storm. Who's going to do this impossible thing for us? But as they arrived, they looked and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled away. Jesus sometimes answers our prayers before we even pray them. Uh, when they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The, woman was, the women were shocked, but the angel said, Don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. Wow. Death didn't get on Jesus. Jesus' life got on death. I, I, I love, this is, this is a Jesus that I serve. That the, the, we, the biggest fears in life is the fear of death. You name the phobias, and the phobia isn't the thing itself, it's the death required of it. I have a phobia of falling, but my phobia isn't falling. My, my phobia is a... That is my, that, it's that, is what my phobia is. And so you name the fear, you name the thing, but I love the fact that that has no control over Jesus. Jesus has the ultimate say over death. And it, it talked about the crucifixion and many, many people got crucified. 
But what made Jesus' crucifixion different? He rose from the dead. That was the, the mark of authority. The Because like Jesus says to his disciples, and then we now, as if we call ourselves a disciple, a Christian, a follower of Jesus, he, he instructs us when we have communion, we, to break the bread, to drink the cup, in remembrance of the covenant that he established. But that covenant meant nothing if he didn't rise from the dead. Because he rose from the dead, that is what signified the change of the covenant. As, as when all the Pharisees and the religious leaders would come to Jesus going, give us a sign to prove your authority. Give us a sign to prove what you say is true. And what does he say? The only sign I'll give you, this wicked generation, is a sign of Jonah, which who figuratively died for three days in the belly of the fish and rose again and was spat out on dry land. And Jesus literally said, that's my prophecy, that's my sign to this generation. And so what happens? He dies for three days and rises again to prove that the new covenant, why I was crucified, to shed my blood as a perfect blemished lamb, that you would become clean, that we too can be clean. And I love that fact that that's the Jesus that we serve. That's the Jesus that we preach. That it doesn't matter what we've done, where what we do wrong, that there's something better in store for us. It legitimizes his claim, and that then that is why we still take communion. That is why we believe in this new covenant. That no longer are we worried about the unclean or the clean. We are now made clean because of that sacrifice. Who is this man? The tomb can't hold him. I, 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 I'm just blown away by the, the, the power and the authority of Jesus. And I'm believing that we can see uh, our lives, our, our kids' lives, our friends' lives come to a relationship with Jesus, that they would, their eternity would be right in heaven because of this decision. And he didn't just die for us, but he died for our whole world. And I'm believing that we're going to be able to continue to believe and see our friends and our family get that same revelation that these women had that, that now we have that the tomb couldn't hold him because he is risen and that the death has no victory but Jesus is the all conquering king and who is this man even the storms obey him the creator controls creation still who is this man defilement can't touch him there's no thing big enough that can separate us from Christ the tomb can't hold him who is this man he is Jesus. Who is this man? He's the center of my life, the purpose of my finances, the reason why I have, have belief when I go to work, the reason why I have something else to live for when I play sport. Jesus is the man that calms my storms. Jesus is the man that, that I don't reach for him. He's already reached for me. He's the man that rose again to give me hope and belief for something greater in the future. And I want to ask you this question. Do you know Jesus? Do you know this Jesus? Because I think we can so easily come into agreement with lies that we don't believe this. That we think, well, uh, we, we can be the disciple. The storm's, the storm, I'm not just in the storm, the storm's now in me. But I want us to get into agreement with the, I believe it's the prophet Isaiah who prophesied over Jesus, the Prince of Peace, where his peace gets on the storm. And so we don't live in the storm, we live in the peace of God because He can change the storm that we're going through. And I, I want us to believe in that. I want us to be the people that go, you know what, today's the day. I, I want to cut off 
that sinful nature, that thing that keeps stumbling block, that thing that keeps rearing its head. No, 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 no. Today, if you've been dealing with it for 12 years, let's reach out today. And no, I'm not just reaching Jesus. I'm believing He's reaching me, that holiness would come on. So why don't we stand to our feet? We're going to pray in faith. And we're going to believe that God can do something unique in our lives. And ultimately, that we can have joy and hope that just as Jesus rose, that we too will rise again one day. That just as the tomb didn't hold Him, the tomb will not hold us for eternity because He has a victory over that thing. So Lord, right now, we just thank You for the Scripture. We thank You for the the way that you, uh, You get on situations, Lord that your peace isn't, isn't uh, controlled by our, our circumstances, but you can change our circumstances. So God, right now, we pray for the storms of the people of One Heart Church. God, I pray for those watching online, the storms that they might be going through. Lord, if it's financial, Lord, we thank you that that financial stress ain't gonna break marriages, ain't gonna uh, uh, close down businesses, ain't gonna cause oh, issues, Lord, but we're gonna see your peace come and touch that storm. By one command from you, peace be still. Lord, we believe that we can see a miracle in those, those environments. Lord, we believe for every for family disturbance. God, we believe that we can see your peace come in because you are the Prince of Peace. And then fear doesn't get on you, Lord. We thank you that your peace gets on fear. So we pray for every anxiety, every depression, every crippling thing that makes us live a life of going, God, why don't you care? God, we believe that the Martha mindset won't be ours, but the Mary one will be. Well, we know how to sit at your feet and let our lives align to your script and let your peace reign supreme, that your authority would rule over our circumstances, Lord. God, right now, we just pray for everybody in this building that needs that miracle touch, that, uh, that say that, that for 12 years, for two years, where we just see this thing goes, my uncleanness, my unholiness, my, my, this, this thing that just keeps me at a separation. God, right now, we thank you that as we reach out to you, you've already reached out to us, that, that you can change us, that you can sanctify us, that you can do something new within us that we can be the men and women of God that are, that are, uh, that are brand new, that are transformed, that are renewed because it's the, 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 the work that you're wanting to do in our lives. And ultimately, God, we want to give you thanks. We want to give you glory that you rose from the dead, that no tomb could contain you, that no tomb could hold you, that you're able to do something fresh and alive in us. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know where everyone sits or stands in this building this morning, but you might want to, you might be on the journey of faith and going, you know what? I want to know more about this Jesus. I want to know intimately this Jesus that calms the storm. I want to know this Jesus that doesn't, I don't just reach him, but he reaches me. I want to know this Jesus that rose from the dead and, and believe the promise that I would rise up with him when he returns. If that's you in this building, I, if I can just ask for privacy for everyone else, if you just want to close your eyes, but if that's you in this building, just for me and you, Cena, would you raise your hand and say, yep, that's me this morning. I want to know Jesus in a deeper way. I want to know Jesus as you've been speaking about this morning. Is anyone like that in this room? I see that hand. That's awesome. You, 
I see that hand. You can put those hands down. Lord, right now, we just pray for these people that are with us right now. God, I pray for every lie that wants to dictate their mind. I pray for everything that wants to come into their, their, their world that says, well, I've heard about Jesus, but I don't know Him that way. God, we just believe that Your power can break through. Just like those women going to the tomb that said, how, who's going to move the stone for us? And then they get then the stone was already moved. Lord, even when we don't see it, You're working. And God, I just pray that over their lives, that the God who that d- does the impossible when we're not even there can do the impossible in their lives right now. And, and we're going to have a prayer come up on the screen. And so for those, for those of you that's, that raise your hand and said, you know what, that's me. I want to know this, Jesus. This prayer that we're going to pray collectively as a church is your first step in saying, you know what, Jesus, I want to do it your way. I want to pursue you and know you. So as a church, we're going to pray this prayer together. And we believe that when you've prayed this prayer, that's what we as Christians call being born again. That you've moved from going, I'm no longer just living life, living life. But there's something of the supernatural awakened in me. That I understand that there's eternity, eternal life. That my life doesn't just end when my body dies, but it continues because God has something better in store for me. So let's pray this together. Dear Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God who died on the cross and rose again to forgive my sins. I ask that you forgive me. I give you my life and invite you to be my Lord and Saviour. Today, I am born again. I trust my future into your hands. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Come on, let's celebrate. That is fantastic.